Father in heaven, we thank you for life today, for your mercy, your just your wonderful goodness to each one of us. We pray for your presence, for your uh, spirit of truth to be with us as we continue our study here today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we didn't quite finish what I had uh, planned to cover yesterday, by the way. I've had a couple people ask me already, so Shelly is making extra copies of the handouts from yesterday. Uh, she said she'd be about 10 minutes late, and uh, also the handouts for today will come with her at that time, okay? Uh, most of you have the handout from yesterday. I just went back a few slides here uh, because we didn't get really, we didn't, weren't able to finish, so we're just going to finish yesterday's. And here we go. So we were talking about uh, paternalism, which I think we defined, actually. Turn this on. It's really one definition, probably others. Uh, paternalism is behavior which limits some person or group's liberty or autonomy for what is presumed to be that person's or group's own good. Okay? So it's sort of a control with at least the appearance of doing so to help the person. Now, as I said yesterday, if it's a five-year-old, that's probably a good thing, right? But you're talking about a group of adults, it's probably not such a good thing. Uh, so, and we just mentioned briefly that there's several different ways, paternalism, and I just chose three here, resource, spiritual, and knowledge paternalism. Again, resource paternalism, uh, the tendency to see solutions in material terms. Okay? Pouring financial and other material resources into situations where it's probably not the most appropriate. In other words, handouts instead of investments. Okay? And again, uh, by the way, uh, my dear wife is here this morning. <laughs> so, you don't have to worry. I will, if I'm going too fast or too slow or too much information or whatever it is, I, she'll tell me about it. <laughs> Sometimes I even listen. So, All right. And anyway, we went over this yesterday, Joanne. I want you to know this. That's why I'm going fast, a little bit fast. Okay. All right. Spiritual paternalism, and again we talked about this, assuming the materially poor are inferior to us spiritually. We do that. And then now as paternalism, which I'm going to spend a few minutes on, uh, we, after all, we're Americans, we have money, whatever the we is, we're Seventh-day Adventists, whatever it is, we have all the best ideas about how to do things, Okay. No, they're not here yet. Uh, paternalism instead of partnerships, to put it very briefly. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about this in a minute. This is uh, from uh, a worker for the Lord in Africa, making the statement, sometimes we believe that people living in communities with high rates of poverty aren't as smart or capable as we are 
and we need to, quote, save them. Entering a community with this attitude can result in a condescending attitude that hinders relationships. Okay. Obviously, that's... And then uh, this gentleman here, who is a lawyer and a, um, what do you call it, a journalist in Africa, speaking about, this is speaking specifically about, you're actually going to get a copy of this whole article. Here he's speaking specifically about, um, well, oh, I'm trying to get my word here. Um, anyway, the aid, well, what was it, a few years ago they had these concerts to raise money for Africa, okay. Celebrity aid, that's the term I want. This is an article, and I, I want you to see the whole thing because it's very revealing about the attitudes of those in Africa, at least. I, I could give you several sources with the same disappointment being expressed. And here he says, this is just a little part of the article, maybe a sentence or two, one sentence actually. They, they, that is the celebrities, and the Americans, or the Western people, they still believe us to be like children, that they must save, excuse me, as if we don't realize ourselves what the source of our problem is. So notice here, the, the reaction. They still believe us to be like children, that we, we must save, because we know. Okay? So this is... And when you see this article, you'll see it's very strong, a very strong reaction to uh, one of the celebrity concerts raising money for Africa. And uh, this, uh, if I'm not able to share with you, I'll at least share with you some sources of um, you know, the strong reaction among thinking people, leaders, really, uh, not political leaders, unfortunately, necessarily, but leaders, thought leaders in Africa, Toward, and we'll see that in a video clip here uh, in a little bit, too. Okay, now here the book Education, page 16. A wonderful, wonderful book. This goes back to our beginning theme yesterday where we saw that every human being is created in God's image, right? Well, here it says that every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the Creator. Individuality. Power to think and to do. Okay. And so this is key. So we can't, you know, we, we, we shouldn't swoop in and give people the solution to their problems because we know more. No. A poor person, a poverty-stricken person, no matter how poverty-stricken, they are endowed with a power just like their Creator. They have individuality. They have power to think and to do. And so, yes, we have resources and opportunities that they haven't had the privilege to have, but it doesn't mean, in fact, it probably means we understand less their situation than they would. Thank you so much. And uh, so to partner with them, to to draw out from them their own thoughts, dreams, ideas regarding their situation. Okay, so partnership, not parenting them, 
but partnering with them. Examples about partnership? How would one go about partnership? Well, well, it is okay. So, rather than go in and you got the resource and the money and do what you want to do with it, is you get with the people and find out what the real issues are that you might partner with them and the money is dispersed and given in a proper manner as opposed to so I, yeah, so don't assume that we know. When we, I, I read one account where the people from the West, I, I don't remember what organization, but where they were coming in and telling these farmers uh, in one of the poverty, you know, one of the developing countries, you know, that they should, be, they should be varying their crops from year to year and so on. They said, you should be planting this this year and this next year. Well, Yes, that makes sense to us. We, we know about that, saving the soil and, all, and so on. But, and these people understood there was other crops too. But what they knew is that they had to have a crop every year or they starve. Therefore, they were planting the crop which had the highest degree of possibility every year of giving them a harvest. So there's an example. We're from the West. We know. We have a university train. We know that they should be you know, um, having a variety uh, for the sake of their soil. But what we don't know <laughs> is that they know they can take a chance on that. So that's an example. Instead of, and so, it would have been nice to go in and listen, to learn, to, to, to go as a learner. And, of course, people have been oppressed and everything else. They, they may need help to um, hone these tools, to use these tools in their lives. We should allow them to let us know where their help, what they need. Let them we should facilitate that, yes. We should not come in with the answers. Yes? Everybody can get a copy of what she just brought in. But let me just finish this tiny little sec this section here, okay? How's that? By the way, I just want you to know, Shelly is great. The only reason she's late is because I was late giving her those papers, just so you know that. Okay. And she was very cheerful about it. Okay. Here we have in the Bible, uh, Jesus said, Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, right? Well, he's talking to human beings. Human beings have the ability to do what? To sit down, to create a tower in their mind before they actually go out and build it, right? Every human being has that power, no matter how poor. Unless, obviously, they're, you know, mentally uh, have some organic issues or something like that. But God has given every human being the power to think and to do. And we'll we be helping people so much more. We can help them, facilitate them, certainly not discourage them from using that power. Come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. I see. Look at the situation in Haiti. Yes. We're going to talk about Haiti in quite a bit. I mean, who takes the risk? Should people who have arisen it should have more say? I mean, just say, well, here is the money. Can you manage it? It won't happen. Right, right. So, and one more scripture here. I like this one, even though it's negative. 
Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. They lie at night. They figure out what they're going to do the next day, right? At morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Okay? So here it shows. Even the wicked have the power to think and to do. God has given this to every human being. And we have to understand that no matter how poor human beings are created in God's image, they're endowed with the same ability that the Creator Himself has, the power to think and to do. And if we go in and tell them what to think and tell them what to do, we will be doing more harm than good in the long run. Now, Again, I told you yesterday, I'm not make, I, my intention is not to make rules for anybody. These are principles. Um, you know, if we go to some tribe and they're like in uh, south of the Philippines there where they, you know, if they're uh, practicing killing, you know, of their children or whatever, then probably we need to help them to think about that, you know. So you understand, everything is in its context, okay? Now, here again, if we think the people living in poverty have the creative capacity to lift themselves out of it, our missions turn into mutually beneficial partnerships. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, all right, now we're starting today, okay? Here's our story for today. Oh, you want me to turn this off? Or not so much? that help at all? Or? The first couple of slides with the photographs, you know, they're not going to be as clear. Okay. How many conversations does it take to pass out one of these papers here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to have a committee meeting and decide. Okay, this is a young lady here by the name of Geraldine. Okay. Boy, oh boy, I will be sure. Right after this class today, I will give her the papers. <laughs> and we'll have, I, I want to have them collated and stapled, actually, tomorrow. This is a young lady here named Geraldine, who uh, happens to live on the uh, island of Negros in the Philippines. Okay? This is uh, where Geraldine and I think 12, the 12 family members live. This is Geraldine. Is she beautiful? This is her home here, her one-room hut. You can see the clothes for the, I think, the 12 people that live in this hut stored here and here. Here is the outside. There's me there. Tall socks there. Huh? <laughs> Which one's you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, let's see, I got one more picture. Here's the house from, from afar, I think from across the river, actually. Now, uh, this family, along with uh, a number of other families, they live on a river here, and, and they, they're squatters there. And in that river, they take their bath. Actually, they got a long pole with a 
cup-like thing on the end of it, and they put it in the river, and they pick it up, and they're able to give themselves a shower that way. It's kind of fun to watch, but they also um, go to the bathroom in that river. They also get their water from that river. And they also get their living from that river. Remember, they're just squatting next to the river, but they, uh, the adults mainly, um, go down, they dive down to the bottom of that river, and they bring up a, a thing full of sand, take it over to the side and dump it, and they do that, and then they finally get a 50-pound bag of sand. Then they have to haul way up this steep hill, I mean, up the bank of the river, and then even farther up, up to the street, where, according to my recollection, they get about a dollar for that 50-pound bag of sand. And, uh, and some days they sell a bag of sand, some days they don't. Some days they sell more than one bag. Geraldine here, here uh, last year, she and her friend were in town doing whatever, and somehow uh, they were they agreed to enter into a cab. They were invited into a cab for a ride with which contained two men in it plus the cab driver, and the cab driver who in God's great providence, turned out to be a Seventh-day Adventist who did not know Geraldine at all, um, or her friend, but he could see that something was not right in, in these men's um, actions, not just attitudes, but actions toward these girls. And these men told the cab driver to go to such and such a place where instinctively he knew that wasn't a good idea. And so he drove to the police station. Seventh-day Adventist cab driver. And uh, one of the men got away. The other man uh, was found guilty uh, of, of um, human, tra human trafficking. Yeah. This is in the Philippines. The island of Negros. And, uh, but by the grace of God, this Seventh-day Adventist cab driver who was paying attention, uh, we, we may never have seen these girls again. That's, that's the part of the face of poverty in our world. All right, so, uh, this is probably not a very good title. I put that on there a long time ago, but uh, it's what it is, okay? We're going to talk about aid today. We're going to talk about aid and first thing we want to do is define, like we did yesterday, just define this. I'm so sorry. <coughs> yesterday we differentiated between uh, relief and development, right? ADRA, Adventist Development and Relief Association, okay? So please understand the difference. It's very important. So we have, we have, uh, oh, what did I do here? Yeah, we have relief, which of course is in the crisis, the hurricane, the tsunami, whatever it is. This uh, requires immediate life-saving action. Even then, uh, probably it's better if I'm not in the way of the people who have been trained to respond to these things. Probably if I want to do something, I should send money. Okay. 
unless I have some purpose or reason or training to be there. Okay. Rehabilitation is to bring people back to where they were before the crisis hit. And then, of course, development is to help people, whether it's to have a water supply or, or you know, to help them uh, improve their situation. And so, um, it's very important to, you know, the, the man, the, the Samaritan, I mean, not the Samaritan, but the man that the Samaritan helped, who was by the side of the road, this was relief, right? This was relief. Uh, the Good Samaritan, I know because in my Bible it has more verses there, okay? The Good Samaritan, nine months later, wasn't still supporting this guy who was completely healed. Got it? By the way, no, I really don't have more verses in my Bible, okay? I'm just saying, he helped this man in a crisis. Freely he gave and helped him. But once the man was healed of his injuries and so on and so forth, he didn't support him there at the motel where he could just sit around and... Right? Until he was well, that's what I said. All right? And uh, so, we want to spend a little bit of time and, and see that there was a relief effort, probably more than one, but one particular relief effort in the Bible, okay? And this starts there in Acts 11, 27-28. It says there that uh, a certain uh, man named Agabus, a prophet, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there's going to be a great famine throughout all the world. This happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So this was foretold, and it, and, and it hit. It we're told there, sorry, that's not straight. You just have to kind of crick your head, and it'll be straight, okay? It says, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Judea apparently was especially hit hard. And this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So here was a grassroots relief effort during a famine, helping the brethren in Judea. Okay. And then... As this famine evidently went on for some time, and the results of it, we find the Apostle Paul uh, having his various churches that he had raised up, saving money, setting aside money, so that when he comes, he says there'll be no collections when I come. And uh, Paul is making appeal for a relief effort during a famine. Okay? And again, he says, When I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send bearing your gift. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. And Paul did go. So here we have a relief uh, effort here in the Bible. Okay? It's beautiful. And uh, let's see here. It's already 10 o'clock. We go to 10.45, right? Okay. Now, notice the same Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians. He said, listen, we commanded you when we were there. That's a strong word, isn't it? 
If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Okay? That's strong language. But he is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, isn't he? If any will not work, neither will he eat. And uh, I should have raised my hand for those who didn't get page two. Okay, any page two's left? I don't have page two. Oh, I don't want to take yours. Anyway, it's just good for me to know what's ahead sometimes. Okay, notice what he, the same Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I see. All right. He said, we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort you through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Okay. So here is a very important principle laid down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The same Apostle Paul that did all he could to help those who were in a famine is also here suggesting that if a person is not willing to work, that's what he meant, fine, but they shouldn't eat either. Okay. And uh, here in the book, Ministry of Healing, we have these words. We may give to the poor and harm them by teaching them to be dependent. Such giving encourages selfishness and helplessness. Now, often it leads to idleness, extravagance, and intemperance. No man who can earn his own livelihood has a right to depend on others. Now, why would we do this? We would do this because we haven't really searched our own motive. We maybe not recognize that we're doing this to make ourselves feel good or ourselves look good or whatever the case is, instead of having our true heart with the person we're trying to help. And of course, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we misunderstand the situation and uh, uh, we are also counseled that we should, in some cases, help people and ask questions later. That's very, very temporary help. Ask questions after that. But the general principle is laid down here. We may give to the poor and harm them by teaching them to be dependent. Okay. Yes? I'm glad you have this slide here because I have a friend... She was here this weekend at camp meeting, and she is self-employed in cleans houses. Mm -hmm. But anytime something comes up, it's like she always needs uh, some money. And so it's, this has been over the years. People try and get her out of out of her debt, mm -hmm. and then the next thing you know, she's back into it again. And we try to help her, mm -hmm. and it's like she's had uh, a few chemical challenges and things in mm -hmm. her past. And it's like, it doesn't ever click with her long term, you know? So mm -hmm. for a minute, she will be in an apartment for six months. The next thing you know, she's back in a car. It, yeah. It, it's like, yeah. her to her money. Right. 
So we're throwing money at a problem, and money is not the problem. This is uh, temporal or financial paternalism. We're not looking at the whole person. We're seeing. We're just we're we're using money as the to alleviate the problem when that's not the problem. So we're not looking at this person as in the image of God. And what is the problem? We deepen the problem. We deepen the problem. to her feeling of helplessness. Right. Right. All right. Here again, Paul wrote to Timothy. This is amazing, really. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. He's saying, look, we should honor a widow who is a true widow. But if they have children and grandchildren, uh-uh, that's their responsibility, not the church's. Well, I, I can't cover every detail. This is just a principle. Obviously, everything, yeah, okay? And this is the context, by the way, in which it says, but if any does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, this is the context, widows, he has denied the faith is worse than an unbeliever. Okay. So here again, a church should at least be asking the question, whose responsibility is this? This lady needs help, but here's her son who is, has a yacht and, and so on and so forth. We can help this lady. What are we doing to this son? We're harming that son, aren't we? Especially if he's a member of the church. We're really harming him. We're, we're, I mean, he may, it says right here, he's worse than an unbeliever. So we may, it may be eternal harm that we're causing. Whatever. You, you understand the principle, okay? Uh, Paul is, uh, you know, was full of the love of God beyond, uh, I think, uh, anything we've ever experienced. I think I can safely say that. But here he's saying, he's laying down this principle. And uh, obviously it's for good. Where's that page two right that you gave me? All right, okay. Now, here he says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, and so on. He actually lays down several characteristics, some of which are cultural, if I can say that, some of which would have a hard time, we have to really think to apply them to today. Yes? The number of widows who are on the support of the church. So that's the other side of this. Of course, this is before Social Security and all this stuff, but he, there, there was those who are in the number who the church had said, yes, we are responsible for these ladies because they're true widows. They don't have a son, a grandson, and they have been faithful to the Lord and so on. I mean, it's pretty strong. It's very strong. Okay, so... For one man, does that mean one man at a time? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next slide. <laughs> uh, that's the question. There's been a lot of books written on that. Okay. Okay, he even says, refuse the younger widows. Why? Because they will learn to be idle. We can give to these younger widows, bless their heart. Now, this, Paul is not saying, look, when the husband dies, 
You know, he's not saying don't go over there, take a meal. Don't, you know, fix the, the broken lock that the guy who's been sick in bed wasn't able to fix. He's not saying that. He is saying do not support. Certainly don't put them on, among the number. Why? They'll learn to be idle. They're young. They can take care of themselves. Or learn to. That's correct. So this, I mean, this is from the Bible, by the way. This is strong language. All right. Now, so these are principles they done. So we saw the Apostle Paul, when there was a famine, when there was a crisis, he was there. He was on it. But he didn't have any countenance for supporting those who chose not to work when they were able to work and so on. Yes? This principle should apply to the people that we are trying to help to go to school. Yes, let them work. Yeah, let them. Yes, yeah, I believe in it. Most of those places they work, the students work as a part of the program. In fact, they didn't not work. The agent they provided it, they okay. to school, and then they never work. But they don't know how to work. Because never been okay. So he's talking about a uh, worthy student, whether, ooh, I got a phone call. Whether, uh, no, it, it's, anyway, sorry. A worthy student, uh, whether here or abroad, work is a good principle. Now we have to be careful we don't overwhelm them. They do got to do their studies and all that. And that's why MAGA booking is so wonderful, because they can go out in MAGA book if God calls them to do that. They can be encouraged to do it. Okay? Now, thank you for bringing that up. If a believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that may relieve those who are really widows. Again, this is strong language. This is, this is uh, strong language that I think is often ignored. Right, if they don't have some, some sort of family support. In other words, it's laid here very clearly. Family before church. This is a principle that's big. Family before church. And if we, Family is a type of church, too. Hopefully. So we call it the home church, yes. <laughs> Family can take care of you, allow that to happen before the church has to be. Right, if the church steps in, and, and when the the family and, and does what the family should be doing, that, that they're and again, this is not a rule. Every situation is different, but most cases they're doing harm to that family. Okay. All right, Rick Warren. How many have heard that name before? Most of you, and I understand that he's probably a he is a controversial person among Adventist circles. He has certain ecumenical views and so on and so forth. However. He has traveled, as he says here, in, uh, uh, what, 164 different countries for in the past 30 years. He said he's witnessed firsthand that almost, and this is, we're, we're switching gears a little bit here. Notice what he says. Now, this is not a fly-by-the-night type of person, okay? He says, 30 years, 164 countries, I've witnessed firsthand that almost every government and NGO poverty program is actually harmful to the poor, 
hurting them in the long run rather than helping them. The typical poverty program creates dependency, robs people of dignity, stifles initiative, and can foster a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sense of entitlement. This is strong language, but this is, again, written by a man who's been all over the world, written by a man who, was, who has done a lot for people suffering, you know, uh, especially with AIDS around the world. This is not a, you know, a right-wing uh, whatever. Okay. He's simply saying what he's observed. He said he's almost never seen government or NGO aid that was actually helping people. He says the biblical way to help people rise out of poverty is through wealth creation, not wealth redistribution. So what ways will we do wealth creation? You know what? That's what Today is negative, okay? Today is negative. <laughs> the next two days we're going to talk about that. Okay? People that want to work or find a way to work. Yeah. Yes, sir. Why then is the Pope pushing this redistribution thing? <laughs> yeah, I got a couple papers. If we have time, I have an encyclical or two of the Popes that I want to just refer to. Uh, but um, okay, Muhammad Yunus. Muhammad Yunus who, as far as I'm concerned, is a giant in poverty alleviation. He's, he, he has had an influence around the world, including the United States. We're going to talk about him, uh, I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow or the next day. I, I think it's tomorrow. Uh, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work among the poor. Okay, because he's not a right-wing, non-caring individual. Okay, He says that charity only perpetuates poverty by taking away initiative from the poor. So by the way, if you weren't here yesterday, it was fairly positive, right? We talked about principles and so on. So I'm just telling you, yes, today is negative, but we need to know, okay? So charity only perpetuates poverty by taking away initiative from the poor. This is a, a person that is probably, as far as I know, uh, have done more for the poor in this world than any single individual that I know. Literally. And tomorrow we'll have some video of him. And uh, yeah. And here's a man, uh, a pastor in Nicaragua. And uh, the Americans were coming in with their mission trips, short-term mission trips, and, and bringing things. Each wave that came in brought more things. And finally, one of the pastors noticed that this guy didn't seem to be comfortable. And he kind of tried to get him to talk, but he wouldn't really talk. But he pushed him and pushed him. And finally he said, look, these mission trips are destroying the initiative of my people. They're turning my people into beggars. And, uh, yeah. So, because he watched them, he observed them slowly change into expecting the next wave of freebies. Okay. That should apply to men. 
It's a principle. Again, I'm not applying it to anybody specific. I'm saying it's a principle. Okay? Uh, but uh, again, this is a person that cares very, very much about his people. And this is uh, what he is saying. Okay? Herman Chinnery Hess, who uh, we'll see on video here in a moment, I think. Uh, Bill Gates of Africa. Actually, we saw a little bit of him yesterday, right? He just says what's plain common sense. There's bad aid and there's good aid. Bad aid is one that makes people dependent on aid. Good aid is that short-term aid that empowers people to be able to live on their own. And uh, again, these are not uncaring right-wing type of people. Do I have another slide after that? One more, okay. You know this. Jesus was rich. He became poor for us. Uh, that through His poverty we might become rich, right? If we just think about that. Jesus came and made us whole, didn't He? He came and made us whole. He didn't come and say your sin be forgiven you even though you're still you know, robbing banks uh, every single week. No, He changed our lives, right? Or He's in the process of changing our lives. And so He did a true work. He wasn't interested in being able to report, you know, we, we uh, fed a hundred people. Or, you know, He wasn't about statistics or fundraising or whatever. He was about changing human lives one person at a time. Okay? And that's, He's our example when we think about trying to help those in poverty. Uh, Jesus came here with only one agenda. I mean, to bring glory to God and to vindicate God's character, but in terms of us, He had no ulterior motive. He came to make us whole. The world within Exactly. And, uh, okay, so then... Um, Let's go to our video. We're going to be in trouble here. Let's see. We have basically 30 minutes. These are tough questions. And uh, I would tell you I have the answers, but my wife is here, and <laughs> she would tell you the truth. <laughs> okay? So listen, I'm going to show... I'm going <laughs> to show some video here. I probably will stop it at certain points. Um... Um, let me just tell, okay, I, I'll just tell you this, okay, somebody mentioned Haiti here, was that you? I'll I just tell you this, this is, I don't say this lightly, I, I'm not, um, in Haiti, um, the United States basically refused by, through tariff to have Haitian farmers sell their rice in the United States. The United States did turn around and through its power and muscle get the Haitians to lower the tariff to almost nothing for to sell American rice into Haiti. And then our rice farmers grew too, you know, were subsidized, so they grew extra amount of rice. And we 
flooded Haiti with free or almost free rice. We put the Haitian farmers into the cities where I'm ashamed to tell you um, already businessmen were there waiting who needed the cheap labor in the garment factory so you and I could wear our nice suits on Sabbath morning and so on, okay? This is aid. Now, am I saying that this was planned and this was evil? I'm not saying that, but it's pretty well documented. This is what happened. And uh, that's just a little background or a little bit of what you'll see there. And uh, I'll probably stop this at some point. All right, so a lot to think about there. Okay, I'm probably not going to have time to look at that today. Uh, this is the one I referenced earlier. I had a, a sentence or two that the, the uh, lawyer and uh, journalist had quoted, that I had quoted from. You'll notice here, there's a fairly angry tone in this letter, if you read it. And uh, one of the things that I would like you to notice is that at least a couple different times, he makes reference to dictators. There in the back, uh, in the first or the second paragraph, uh, it says, Neither debt relief nor huge amounts of food aid nor an invasion of experts will change everything. Will change anything, excuse me. Those will merely prop up the continent's dictators. Okay, and then uh, down in the second to last paragraph, but the truth is that it was not for us, for Africa, that the musicians at Live 8 were singing. It was to amuse the crowds, to clear their own consciences, and whether they realized it or not, to reinforce dictatorships. Uh, they still believe us to be like children they must save, and so on. And so one of the problems with aid is, is that we tend to ignore the political situation, the oppression, the corruption, and so on like that. That's what this man, that's what this uh, African uh, intellectual, the lady who was on the DVD, that's, what they're, that's one of the things they're responding to. And uh, you'll see more about that uh, tomorrow. We're going to have to squeeze some of today's into tomorrow. But, and then uh, you saw very clearly with the, uh, the, do they know it's Christmas time? And this was paternalism, on steroids. See what I'm saying? And you saw her reaction to that. Silliness, she called it. And so, really, again, it comes back to being heart to heart with Jesus. Do we really, really care about these people or what? See what I'm saying? He said, We know you'll survive the earthquake, but you survive the end there's a fellow here and in, in, uh, has a booth. He's got a, he's some kind of orphanage situation in Haiti. And I mentioned this. Oh, yeah, the Republic of NGOs. He right away, he said, that's right. And he started talking about, yes. Right. And they were to do work in order to get that food. They weren't supposed to just get a premium there. 
the work was already done, and we didn't have to be headed to them. They were supposed to do some of the work and gatherings that the people were supposed to allow for that, the elements were to. So, you know, God has put the So much in the Bible. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and let's be clear. I mean, the Bible basically says, you know, those who are on the right and on the left are those who cared about the poor, right? So this is not, nothing I'm saying is to say, hey, just forget it, you know. But there's right principles, and wrong principles actually do more harm than good. That's the problem. And, uh, and so... In God's world, we can make plans, but we can't plan God right, We need wisdom from heaven. We need to think about what we've talked about so far is unintended consequences. Unintended consequences. And so, uh, yes, ma'am. You know, with the farmers here in this country, I don't know much about farming, but mm. why do they just produce on such a mass scale? Why don't they do it smaller and more quality rather than all this garbage with pesticides and everything? Because you, the taxpayer, are subsidizing them, that's why. So, as I said, uh, and we're going to have to finish up a little bit here from what we didn't get to today about aid. And then we're going to go into some positive things that are having an impact. Yes. So, uh, but we kind of have to see the lay of the land before we did that. So that's what we've been doing. And uh, we'll just, we have two minutes. Uh, so anybody want to say anything? We got two minutes. Yes, sir. The UN, do they have any answers better than... How should I answer that? One of the things that I didn't hand out was the bibliography. I'm going to wait till tomorrow because it's a, I'll just say this. As Christians, we need to make sure that our real pure goal is to help people in poverty. So in general, we're starting out philosophically and we're moving toward practical. In general, I'm saying in general, we're starting out international and we're moving more toward domestic in, in, in general. Okay, I don't want to, there's so much I want to cover and I, I just know the time is going to be tough. But anyway, so let's go ahead and bow our heads for prayer. Father, we have been blessed to live in this very prosperous country and we are trying to learn, we're trying to understand and... Um, we just pray you'll help us as we continue this journey of, of poverty cure. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.